Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Cousins taking a deep shot. Jefferson's got separation, and he's got the catch. Inside the 40. Jefferson still going. See you later. Justin Jefferson, have a Yes, and we have a couple interesting Justin Jefferson nuggets that we're going to throw out on today's nerd football segment of the week. We're going to start the show with some breaking news that just came down in just a second on Purple Daily. But Declan Goff, what is that sound I hear in the background? It might be oh, the morning. Cracking a morning. A little morning, little morning, uh, seltzer. morning seltzer. A little morning delight there. Yeah, that's what I'm going with. A little uh, Corona hard seltzer. I'm going with the Blackberry mm. Lime because it's Tuesday and we're getting wild here uh, across our schedule on Score North. So I'm going with the Blackberry Lime to start things out. Wow. that's uh, if, the, if the Twins win this series against the Astros, I think you need to go Stone Cold Steve Austin on two Corona Hard Seltzers and just pour them all over your head. So, so a couple seltzers in will just be me pouring Stone Cold style couple seltzers I love down. It. I yes. love it too. This month and every month throughout the year, discover Corona Hard Seltzer, the only hard seltzer made with pure beach vibes with a refreshing splash of fruit flavors such as tropical lime, mango, cherry, and blackberry lime Corona Hard Seltzer is a tasty spike sparkling water with a splash of natural fruit flavor that allows you to enjoy the moment. In each can, Corona Hard Seltzer has zero carbs, zero sugar, 90 calories, and is gluten-free. Relax responsibly. Corona Hard Seltzer spikes sparkling water with natural flavors imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Football. I just think he got more opportunities this this ball game. Uh, you know, he he's he's done a great job in practice. He continues to get better every day. He catches the ball really well. Runs good routes, um, and I think he's just getting more comfortable off with the offense. Um, you know, a lot lot like uh, a lot of these young guys. Yes, Mike Zimmer praising uh, the newest star receiver in the NFL, Justin Jefferson who went off for seven catches, 175 yards. And we have more where that came from in terms of Justin Jefferson praise and some interesting statistical nuggets as part of our nerd football segment of the week today. On Purple Daily, Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, Declan Goff is producing. And uh, you can find seven-day-a-week Vikings content on your either podcast feed, Apple, Spotify, scorenorth.com, Purple Daily, or uh, youtube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast. Quick shout-out. Before we dive into uh, breaking news here, Federated Mutual Insurance Company has been helping business owners for over 100 years in the state of Minnesota. Based in Owatonna, they quite simply are one of us. Yes, they are Minnesotan. 
And uh, you can follow them on Twitter, actually, at Federated INS for great content pertaining to your business on all aspects of business protection. When you partner with Federated, you get more than just a policy. You benefit from that 100-plus years of experience in making businesses as successful as they can be. Federatedinsurance.com to find a full list of resources and to find your local marketing representative. And remember, at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. All right, uh, let's, Declan, go ahead. We just, uh, before we hit the microphones here, we saw this breaking news come down the pipe, so let's yeah, rip the bandit off. This is from Tom Pelissero. The uh, Tennessee Titans had three new player positives and five new personnel positives oh. for COVID-19. Sources tell him and Mike Garofalo, both the Titans and Vikings, who hosted them on Sunday, will suspend in-person club activities starting today. The Titans uh, also put out a statement. Uh, out of abundance of caution, the organization has decided to work remotely today as we follow NFL protocols related to COVID-19 virus. Several tests have come back positive, and we are working through the process of confirming them. We'll have more information tomorrow. And then one last nugget, Diana Russini of ESPN reports, a source texted her that we are, quote, shutting down Tennessee until Saturday. That means no Titans coaches or players can be in the building. Now, how this relates to the Vikings, we're, we're still figuring out a lot of this is very fluid and, and changing. But, yeah, COVID is, uh, has hit the Titans, and the Vikings are also shutting things down as abundance of caution. So can I just say, mm-hmm. right, if you're in the tank for Trevor or fail for Fields camp, if the Vikings had to, I don't know, miss a chunk of like five games or something because of a COVID outbreak and uh, didn't get to make those games back up, then I think winning percentage would – I don't think they're going to – if you miss a couple games, like you're not going to make them up in January. The playoffs got to go, baby. So uh, well, no, you gotta, would it be the worst thing? I mean, if no one dies, we don't want anyone to get sick or anything. You've got to insist you, – you don't – you actually take the L's. And so you – You have to forfeit the and games? So you just, yeah. In fact, I'd forfeit a month. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You call Houston and say, we are sorry, but out of a, an abundance of caution, we're 0-4. And then you call the Seahawks and say, <laughs> Pete Carroll, it's two weeks out, I know that. Out of an abundance of caution, we're 0-5. Actually, wouldn't you rather... And Atlanta, God for you cannot play the Falcons because you'll get down by 25 <laughs> and come back and win. So out of, out of an abundance of Trevor Lawrence caution, you're going to take that L, too. I was going to say, wouldn't you rather wait till like the fourth quarter of the Falcons game to have to pull your players out the field? Like, oh, I know we're down by 18 right now. Uh, comeback is on the horizon against... This Why putrid risk second Why half risk squad. Why risk anything? But like, isn't this the thing that we've been expecting in Major League Baseball? Like the non-bubble sports, like mm-hmm. the NBA bubble, NHL bubble. Uh, once you get into the bubble, if no one goes out for wings at a strip club, like we saw with uh, <laughs> Lou Williams, lemon pepper. I, I got to side with him. By the way, I'm a big lemon pepper. They must be the best guys. wings ever. I'd like. To, I really yeah. like to try those wings. Good. Probably worth the trip uh, to Orlando. But, Clearly, they were. But um. I think I'm kind of surprised that we haven't had more outbreaks. In we had the big one in baseball in the first couple of weeks, where we had the Marlins and we had the the Cardinals breakouts, and they spent the rest of the year playing doubleheaders to make up the games. But football, you've got even larger rosters. It, unlike baseball, where guys can just kind of be socially distant because they're standing at different bases and whatnot, right? And they're not in the trenches together. I'm actually pretty shocked that we haven't had more outbreaks in the NFL. So guys must be at least being responsible and going home. Uh, but if one team has a rash of COVID and they lock up in the trenches with another team, mm-hmm. that's how it spreads like wildfire. Not necessarily to the point where, you know, fit men in their 20s are going to be hospitalized, but 
The problem is those fit men in their 20s come into contact with older coaches in their 60s and 70s, and then it becomes more dangerous for the older population. So the NFL is going to have to be very quick to do contact tracing and just make sure that this thing doesn't get out of control. And we don't know. Maybe the Vikings game this weekend against Houston is in jeopardy. Well, um, my guess is is this. If they have positive tests, it'll be in jeopardy. But I think the testing now has become quick enough. And And keep in mind, too, if this is going to happen today is the perfect day because players are all off. So you can actually now go test them. Yeah. And and that doesn't mean that they'll practice for sure on Wednesday, but I think it means that there is a chance that they could. But if they have no positive tests, I would guess that by Thursday, if you're the Vikings, you could probably resume practices. Now, the Titans are probably out for the week, but I've been waiting for this, too. And I did think so. I thought it was a little bit odd that the Falcons had a player test positive. I think the positive test came back on Saturday before their game against the Bears. And there was, you know, some question about, okay, we're going to be very cautious here, blah, blah, blah. And Sunday, they're, they're like, oh, no, it's all good. We're playing. And I thought to myself, this is the same way that the Marlins and Cardinals, but the Marlins especially, attempted fate, which is, oh, it's going to be fine, right? I think the smartest thing that we learned from baseball is shut it down as long as you need to and are comfortable with. Because the flip side is, if it does start to spike and more players get it, it's a huge problem. If you catch it and just shut things down, it's smart. But I think the Vikings, my guess is it, that they'll do the um, that they'll do some type of that saliva testing now in the next day or so. And because they're off today, if there's no positive tests, still probably might not practice on Wednesday. But my guess is that they'll practice on Thursday. And if they don't have positive tests by then, I think the game against the Texans probably goes on. But this was going to happen. Like, there was no question yeah, about it. And the it. biggest You're difference right. you know, where the NFL is just in a really tough, precarious spot is baseball, you play every day. And if needed, like, obviously you'd like an off day once in a while. They usually build in, you know, three, four off days a month for baseball teams. And, and they built in, I want to say, like, five off days for every team with the 60-game schedule. But a lot of those off days were filled by teams playing seven-inning doubleheaders. But that's the thing. In baseball, if the St. Louis Cardinals miss a week and a half because they're all sitting on the sidelines getting COVID tested back in early August, they can just play doubleheaders and make the games up. There's really no way to make games up in the NFL. What are you going to you gonna tell a team, hey, uh, all right, so you're going to play on Wednesday, yeah. and then you're going to play again on Sunday, and then you're going to play again on Wednesday. Like You can't do that in football. I know that they have Thursday night games, but but then you get a 10-day layoff after a Thursday night game until the following Sunday. Yeah. So it'll be interesting, like, if the Titans or the Vikings, or if this happens with any other teams, if they miss this game this weekend, do they make those teams play and shuffle and play during a bye week or something? But then the bye weeks are all staggered this is for also teams. why, when, when they did the schedule, if you guys recall, when they released the schedule in, in April or early May, they also were very particular in how they stacked it up as far as your games in your division and conferences and things. And so there was some type of clear-cut plan that if they, they had to bag games or bag weeks that they could. Now, the thing about it, though, look, we knew from the outset with all of these sports, especially sports that tempted fate by not being able to or didn't play in a bubble, that there were going to be hiccups, right? Like there was never a question. So so if the league was smart they basically now are saying this was this was basically uh when it happens not I hope it doesn't. So my guess is that there is a plan here. My guess is that the Titans 
since they have positive tests now on the record, probably don't play on Sunday. But it should be in a year where everything is going to be odd and where it was never really expected that any league like football or baseball was going to make it through without some type of delays and problems. Um, it's not a surprise. Yeah, it's not. No, um, like I said, it's more surprising that this hasn't happened yet. We're you know three weeks into the season. I was now. beginning to wonder why it hadn't. Weren't you? Like I kept I about three weeks in. I was like, really? Yeah. Well, we'll uh, we'll see how this shakes out. And as of right now, it's just the Vikings are in a holding pattern. Once we get to Wednesday, Thursday, if they're missing practices, and by the way, this is a Vikings team that can't really afford to miss practice either, especially defensively. Which which leads us right into our nerd football segment of the week, where we do deep dives into numbers and analytics and try to explain what they mean and maybe even debate what they mean. But first, uh, I haven't heard this clip yet, Declan. Is this Mike Zimmer being asked about his disaster and chaos comments yes. from Sunday? This was a follow-up. All right, this is Mike Zimmer. Yeah, I think it was more of a disaster than chaos. I mean, guys <laughs> knew what they were doing. Um, the first play, uh, Kirk uh, got pressured. And then the second play, uh, I think, was the bad snap, or maybe it was the third play. But he had a lot of people in his face at that time. And so... You know, it was hard to get the ball down the field. Do you guys think, real quick, would you guys, what's your pie chart of chaos versus disaster? How would you divvy up chaos? What percentage of the pie is chaos versus disaster Ooh. for the Vikings on that final? Oh, day? two thoughts on that. One, <laughs> one is chaos, um, 70% disaster. Really? Yeah, it was. But here, but I guarantee you, Mike got talked to by two people Kirk was mad, Kubiak was mad. It's one thing for a a disaster happens, right? It was, it, it was oh, both chaotic and disaster. Oh, oh yeah. my God, that's bad. But chaos implies lack of preparation. I mean, if you the are shoe ca- fits. No, did that look like Phil, a prepared football Phil, team? I agree. No, and I agree with you. I'm saying there is no question in my mind. Mike got pulled aside and told, "Hey, you know, disasters happen, dude. Chaos re- reflects very poorly on all of us." You're right. I want I the think truth, it's damn it. It's you more, can't handle the truth. truth. But what you can handle is chaos. <laughs> and that, I've seen chaos. That was chaos, boys. Uh, all right, the other thing, just, just uh, did Adam Thielen talk about Jefferson in one of these two? No, he was just talking about how tough the season is and what happened also on that final drive as well. Let's play the Zimmer one again. I just think he got more opportunities this this ball game. Uh, you know, he, he's he's done a great job in practice. He continues to get better every day. He catches the ball really well, runs good routes. Um, and I think he's just getting more comfortable off with the offense. Um, you know, a lot, lot like uh, a lot of these young guys. All right, nerd statistic number one here, Justin Jefferson. Seven catches, 175 yards, a touchdown. It was fun. An amazing touchdown celebration. Fun to watch. Right? Yes. According to (laughs) StatHead.com. StatHead.com. Where is StatHead.com from? So so you, you, I'm I'm assuming you use like baseball reference and football reference on a regular basis. I love those. So they have the, they have the, this is really nerdy, but they have the play index where you can look up like any play that you ever want. It's just super detailed tool. Sure. Well, they, they finally got smart and said, boy, like every, Sports media person and hardcore fan in the country uses this tool to like find who's the like when's the last time you know a, a player did this or this right yes, yes and so now they they put it behind a paywall and they took all of their hockey reference basketball reference oh, bears, wow. and they just made it stathead.com okay as of like early this year very nice so stathead.com since 1985 
Here is the list of wide receivers age 22 and younger who have gone for at least 150 yards receiving in a game within their first eight games in the NFL. So their first half season. Mm -hmm. Explode like Justin Jefferson did. Randy Moss, the Green Bay game. That was very remindful. Yep. Anquan Bolden. Okay. Torrey Smith. Odell Beckham Jr., Ernest Givens, Tecmo Super Bowl legend, Ernest Givens. Oh, I loved Ernest Givens. Rob Moore, former Jets receiver from the 80s and early 90s. Loved him, too. And Justin Jefferson. Wow. That's the list. of guy, I, was try, I was basically trying to find a list of how many guys have absolutely exploded for a game like this at that age, this early in their career. Just mm-hmm. like the light bulb just goes on in like week three. Mm-hmm. And that's what this list is. 22 years of age and younger since 1985. Guys who have had an explosion game like this as a wide receiver within the first half of their first season. And Randy Moss, Anquan Bolden, Torrey Smith, etc. And we mentioned this on Vikings Ventline on Sunday. Laquan Treadwell's first two seasons in the NFL. His first two seasons he combined for 215 total yards. So my question to you guys is... How does the emergence of Justin Jefferson, despite the 0-3 start and despite the team maybe being wiped out by COVID here, we'll see. How does the emergence of Justin Jefferson change your view of the Vikings going forward this season and beyond? Um, it changes it in, in this sense. If the kid is as good as he looked on Sunday and can be not consistently put up those statistics, but he can consistently be as big of threat, at least when he's on the field. It gives you a fantastic start offensively to have an incredibly important piece of the puzzle in football today, which is a big-time threat. And not just a slot guy, but he can line up outside. He he can stretch the field. He's got great moves. He can uh, cause problems for defensive backs consistently. Good Quarterbacks will probably throw to him in all situations. Good quarterbacks will. So this goes back, Phil, to what I've been saying. And I know I get tweets, they stink, they just suck, blah, blah, blah. Look at this roster. And and I understand that so far in three games that this is far uglier than what we expected, and it's not the team. But I'm going to stand by my contention that as disappointed as we are in certain players, individuals, and coaches too, I'm going to stand by my contention that I think this team has talent. And I don't – so I – look, this is not – this is not Detroit, okay? This is not Detroit. You're not the Lions. This doesn't feel like, oh, my God, they've fallen off the cliff and now they're screwed. It really doesn't. It feels like they misjudged a lot of things. They made mistakes. But don't you look at guys like Jefferson and potentially Gladney, and I don't know if Cook is a long-term guy here, but he's certainly good now. Don't you look at this roster and and to you have sort of bins? Because I certainly do. And I there's no reason why Justin Jefferson can't go in what looks to be, I think, a potential star bin. I almost feel like if... And That's I, fair, right? Have, yeah. You'd have to do a comb through all the different rosters in the NFL to, to prove this, but it feels like the Vikings have the widest gap between the best players on the team and then everybody else. Like, the Vikings have a really top-heavy roster. They've got... I, I'm, I'm calling it right now. I, agree. I think Justin Jefferson's a star right now. I think he's one of the 15 best wide receivers in the NFL right now. Just wa- watching what he did and how he did it, there's not that many guys that can just put up a buck seventy-five and look like that and be dancing around 
defensive backs and whatnot. So I don't know. Maybe I'm being too much of a homer here, but I think they've got two of the top 15 wide receivers in the NFL. I think they've got two of the top five safeties in the NFL. I think they've got two of the top 10 to 15 pass rushers in the NFL, including the best one when he's healthy. And uh, and they have a really good right tackle in Brian O'Neill. And they've got a, 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 a Eric Hendricks might be one, the best, you know, top five linebacker in the NFL. Like, in terms of top-end talent, they're pretty ridiculous. There's a lot of teams that don't have that kind of top-end talent. But then you start to look at the rest. It's like, all right, well, who's their number three wide receiver? It's like just a bunch of undrafted guys or a seventh-rounder, right? Okay, who's their interior defensive lineman? Uh, backups. What about the rest of their offensive line? Right. Uh, it's just like two- but, Pierce, but Pierce comes back, and Pierce is young, and Pierce might be good. Yep. Like, he he's not playing, which, by the way, is not his fault and not their fault. So I just don't, but I understand that the quarterback to me, and I think to us, is questionable. And I get the fact that, that there there certainly can be some frustration that more positions were probably not addressed when, when on first guess, we basically all said, aren't you going to do this or that, right? But I don't look at this as an unmitigated, you are terrible, you are off the cliff, this is a completely ridiculous, you know, fire everybody. I will say this, though, to your point, there's a very interesting discussion, if this continues to play out like I think it's going to, there's a very interesting discussion to be had um, with us and both internally with the Vikings about which of the players that we're talking about are in it for the long haul. So if this team becomes a championship-type team, who's here for that? Because Harrison Smith is not, I don't think. I think Anthony Harris is gone after this year, so I think the safeties are gone. But to what you're saying, Jefferson here, right? O'Neal almost certainly here, and I do think he's good. Um, Cook potentially, I'm not sure. Kendricks, I think. So it is going to be, it, there's going to be, I think, a core group of players who are going to come out on the other end of this um, of this time period who could play very, very important roles in hopefully what could be a team that could make a deep playoff run. Yeah, uh, Declan, your thoughts now, now that you've seen Justin Jefferson's breakout game, how does how does his presence and emergence impact your impression of the Vikings? Well, it's important, that I think, that he had a big game like that just because we knew it was going to be a little bit maybe of a slow cook, and I didn't want people to assume that he was going to instantly be Stephon Diggs, and we knew that was kind of going to be like a, a, a committee that was going to replace Stephon Diggs. That being said, when he goes out and balls out against the Colts and we see a little bit of that 98 Randy Moss rookie year and we're not calling him Randy Moss yet, but when you see that excitement, even like when Percy Harvin debuted his rookie year, you saw that initial excitement of like, oh my gosh, this guy's a playmaker and this could be a really special player. Um, I'm excited that Justin Jefferson has emerged and clearly is going to help things out and make things easier in the offense. I don't know if it necessarily changes how I view the Vikings being able to turn things around this season. However, as you said, there's so many playmakers on this team that it's almost it adds more to the frustration level of why can't this team be better when you have basically depth at almost every major position outside of offensive line like everything is all the tools are there and can you craft something out of it so awesome that Justin Jefferson has emerged but I think it's to me it's a little bit more frustrating that the Vikings haven't been able to put it all together and 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 get some wins I think this if I was a Vikings fan and I sat down and thought about the totality of what is going on with this team. This might be pushing it. I'm thrilled. And here's why. This team's good. A lot of times. And it's good enough to make the playoffs. And it's good enough to be 
not embarrassing and representative, and it's just not good enough to make championship runs mm-hmm. consistently, right? To me, if if you if you sort of just back up and calm down, think about this one. You are seeing pieces of the puzzle that could be extremely important, or should be actually, not could be, that should be extremely important in, let's say, two years, three years. You're seeing those in a time period where your team might record-wise stink. That's going to net you a high draft pick. Mm Mm-hmm. The one thing, the one thing that you have failed to address, and I will say this: some of this is your fault, some of this is very bad luck, is the quarterback position. If you can address that in the proper way with the with the right draft pick, think about the potential for putting up with, let's say, one really bad record. It feels a little bit like the San Antonio Spurs in the late '90s when they were very, very good for a long stretch, but not championship good. They were good from like basically the late 80s or early 90s all the way through into like 97, 98. Uh, they even had, I think they had some run maybe in like the early 80s too. Like they, they were a good solid franchise. And then they lost David Robinson. So they had some sort of circumstance that just like uncharacteristically derailed them for one season. And they leaned into it and they said, all right, let's just be bad. Eh, there's some guys at the top of this draft that could maybe help us on the bounce back. And they drafted Tim Duncan. And then they went from being a very good franchise to being a franchise that was borderline dynasty, mixing and matching with the Lakers and with the Miami Heat, et cetera, for the next 15 years. You could say the Golden State Warriors, kind of the same thing, although they were they were a dynasty. And then they had the injuries that knocked them down to uh, a one-year dip, and, and now they're going to have the number two draft pick this year. Like Just because you might have a 3-13 and or a 4-12 and train wreck on your hands here, and I don't know that it's going to be that bad still because they just looked a lot better in that Titans game. Yeah, I agree with you. Lean into it. doesn't mean you're going to go into 10 years of futility. It might mean that you bounce back and become a Super Bowl contender. Well, and and the, the one uh, thing that's different between basketball and football and would be concerning is in basketball, you, you can per- pretty much just stink and then draft a great player, get a couple good players around him, and you're great or good, right? Football, it's more about are are you developing your team? But my argument would be there are some players on the Vikings in 2020 who, no matter how bad this team is, are going to develop and tell you who they are. So if this was just a really bad team and had nobody, it would be like, okay, it's great to get the quarterback, but then now you got to get this guy and now you got to get that guy. I'm not saying that this team is not going to have deficiencies, but I am saying that you are going to develop guys, for instance, a cornerback and guys like Jefferson, who are going to get extremely valuable experience and should develop and could become good as works in progress. Yeah. Right. Get those nerds! 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 All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some Kirk Cousins offensive line statistics here, all right? Kirk Cousins, according to Pro Football Focus, was pressured on 18 of 30 dropbacks on Sunday. That's a 60% pressure rate against Kirk Cousins, which is a single-game high for NFL quarterbacks so far this year. So Kirk Cousins took on more pressure than any quarterback has to this point in this season in the NFL. Mike Zimmer said, quote, showing improvement. The offensive line is showing some improvement in some areas, but then there's some areas where we got to continue to get better. Drew Samia currently ranks 82nd out of 82 qualified guards in pro football focus rating. He Wait, is the worst I'm sorry, guard I'm sorry, in the what NFL. did you say? 82nd <laughs> out of 82 qualified guards okay, in PFF you. rating. That's not good. Garrett Bradbury is currently 26th out of 35 centers overall. And uh, the good news is Brian O'Neill is actually 16th out of 76 offensive tackles 
in pro football focus rating. So um, I still stand by everything I have said about Kirk Cousins and his inability to rise above adversity and to rise above imperfect circumstances. And I, I just think that good to great quarterbacks can make offensive lines look better and even play better by just having more awareness how to move around in the pocket, like that Brett Favre clip from 11 years ago where he's dodging defenders to throw that Did ball to Greg Lewis. Last night? Well, that's a different that's a different breed of mobility. When you're watching Pat Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Dimes. Like, Jeez. Yeah, that's mobility that Kirk Cousins just doesn't have. But no. I, I'm saying even like pocket passer statue guys, Tom Brady, do a better job than Kirk of just avoiding pressure. Sure. But I will say... When your offensive line is allowing pressure on 60% of the dropbacks, that's a tsunami of pressure, and it's bad. Oh, it's terrible, but the thing is, I, I think the in the uh, Week 2 loss against the Colts, we thought the pressure was more, and it turned out to be less, and now I, I would say that it's the exact opposite here, and the pressure was, was um, more than we thought it, it was. And so the reality is, you know, Kirk gets some protection. He's not great. He doesn't. He's not great. I, I just don't. He's just not changing. He he can be great when he gets protection. I'll he's give just him that. Not changing. He, he can be great when he gets protection. But so far, but so far this year, good or bad, he has not been that good. Like his first three games just aren't good. Yeah. And, and it's it, is it entirely his fault? No. But there there have been games where the protection has been not as bad as I thought it was just from the eyeball test, and he's still not been great. The first three games for Kirk and this team offensively have been. Well, the first two were very disappointing. Sunday's game, points-wise, as Kirk said, hey, it's not my fault, was was fine. Uh, but if you watch that entire game, there were definitely plays where you questioned it. And look, look, I'll go back to one thing, too. Kubiak's play calling has surprised me. Like, I really, I really thought that this w- was going to be him taking the reins from Stefanski, and Stefanski largely, as I talked about a lot last year, having done what Gary wanted him to do, right? Well, clearly I was not right because things have the, the offense the fundamental structure of the offense is the same. Has the offense run the same in 2020 as it did 2019? The answer is absolutely not. This is Adam Thielen on the final drive of that game against Tennessee. Obviously, we didn't make the plays. Uh we didn't do the little things to to make that happen. Um you know, I think it's frustrating when you you feel like you played a really good game and then when you you have a big moment, uh it it kind of looks sloppy. So um, obviously, uh, something to learn from uh, to be able to, uh, you know, make those corrections moving forward. Yeah, it's just uh, it's just frustrating that outside of the Saints playoff game, which is great, that game happened. Everyone deserves credit. More often than not, when the Vikings have the ball late in the game in a situation like that, it looks more disastrous or chaotic than it should, and it looks more disastrous and chaotic than other teams look. In those situations. It was in- inexcusable. It was disgusting. Mm-hmm. All right, I've got a huge nerd question. Get those nerds! Nerd! Nerds! And this is trackable, and I ain't doing it. Here's a question. I want to see Cousin's statistics on Sunday, his passing tests. I want to see them broken down by pressures. Like what, what specifically? All right. I can get this for you. Here's the biggest one. I think. Here's the biggest one. Well, I, I actually need a football nerd to sit down and watch this and chart it the, the way I want because what I want is this one. I think there's an off chance that when things break down at times, he actually is forced to make quicker decisions and can complete passes because he can't think. Okay. So you're trying to prove that he— So I'm, sa- I'm, saying, I'm saying 
Justin Jefferson might be the greatest I'm screwed guy to throw to on this team because of the athletic ability and the ability to adjust on his routes, which I think he did a couple of times, okay? My point is, I think when Kirk gets protection, Kirk sits in the pocket. And look, I don't know that Kirk Cousins sitting in the pocket is a good thing. So I would love to see the breakdown of pressures on Cousins on his throws to see exactly how bad he is when pressured. Because I think sometimes when the ball has to get out and things break down quicker than he wants, he might make some throws. The only thing I can get you here, all right? I mean, this is a huge nerd assignment. Professor Mackey here. There's 35 qualified quarterbacks in the league so far. Thank you. That have at least played, you know, 50 snaps or whatever. So out of 35 qualified quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins ranks 21st in passer rating when pressured, according to Pro Football Focus, Okay, which is not very good. Now, let me go back to last year here, yeah. just to get you a full a full yeah. sample here. Well, okay, and Professor cu- and Mackey. I guess I'm curious, P- Professor Mackey, about the J.J. effect. And the J.J. effect being? The J.J. effect being he's on the field, he's a target, Cousins, here comes the pressure, boom, I can get him the ball. Okay, Because I do think he forces, I think if, if we were to track nerd-wise again, Force passes to Thielen, I don't think it's very good. So 2019 regular season Kirk Cousins. All right, again, we had 38 qualified quarterbacks. When pressured, Kirk Cousins was seventh okay. in NFL passer rating. Okay. So that might that might be getting more to your to your point. Why am I here? <laughs> I should be working for a team. Get those nerds! I should be helping. Nerds! You know what I am? Analytics translator. You know who is number one and number two? Give me two, the okay? numbers. I'll tell you what to do with them. Number one and number two, Drew Brees and Ryan Tannehill. Two guys who aren't the most mobile quarterbacks, especially Drew Brees. So Boom. I think this this goes to show, and Kirk Cousins being seventh, that just because there's pressure, look, the, the NFL, teams are drafting for pressure. Like, teams are yes. actively trying to put pressure on. There's going to be pressure. There's gonna be, You're going to be running for your life. You still have to perform and complete passes, yes. and it's just harder when you're not mobile. I've got one more for you guys here on the defensive here. side of the ball. You're doing great work, right. by the way. God, God's work on stats. Thank you. Uh, all right, defensive stats that stand out here. Holton Hill, according to Pro Football Focus, ranks 108th out of 114 qualified corners. Jeff Gladney is 95th. I'll also add, okay, an NFL perfect passer rating is 158.3. That's a perfect passer rating, 158.3. Okay. When opposing quarterbacks throw at Cam Dantzler so far, only one game. But when they throw at Cam Dantzler, their passer rating is 154.5. When they throw at Mike Hughes, it's 144.9. When they throw at Gladney and Holton Hill, it's 121. So just in case you're wondering whether the Vikings secondary is turning every quarterback into the next coming of 2007 and or whatever did Tom not Brady. Look that great for much of the game on Sunday, I didn't think. I, I will say this. From the eye test in the first three weeks, I feel like as far if if there was a cornerback tree of trust, my tree of trust would start at the bot or at the bottom would be right now for me, Holton Hill. I would agree with that. Like just from the eye test. Also, like he so has not the stats, just the eye in test. In terms of just being a trustworthy person, like he's got he's let the team down a couple times, like the suspension, like he I think there's a there's a, a a reliability factor there that he has not proven on or off the field. Fair. And, you know, 
he's he's going to keep getting chances because the Vikings are banged <laughs> up and they don't have any experienced players out there. Well, good thing Xavier Rhodes is the number one graded corner through Pro Football Focus. How about that? Weeks, so we got that, that going too. Two picks it's on amazing. Sunday. What one? I, I believe returned for a touchdown first one since 2016 when he did it against the Cardinals. Is that right? Yes, that is that's amazing. What is going on here? I'm going to guess that he probably doesn't sustain that over the course of the season, but it's good to see Xavier Rhodes with some pep back in his step. I also saw a note that he's being asked to play more zone coverage with the Colts, so it basically buys him okay. more time or it's different for him. Smart. Smart. Well, that's uh, that's your football nerd segment Thanks, of the Professor. week. We'll see. As of right now, the Vikings are going to have to be working. It's uh, Courtney Cronin reporting. They're going to have to be working remotely. And away from well, the practice facility. That, that's okay. Feels like the first three weeks have been working yeah. largely remotely. Yeah. I, the secondary's been working remotely yeah. for sure we're gonna the first need, three weeks. We're going to need our cornerbacks to literally play off at home. Drew Samia, I can confirm, has been working remotely for the first three weeks of the season. Can the Vi- <laughs> can the Vikings can the Vikings play the Texans on Sunday in Madden and we can decide the game that way? Holton Hill, I hear Wouldn't killer be the Madden worst player. idea. I yeah. wouldn't hate it. I, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't hate it. All right, that's a wrap on Would this Kirk episode. Still choke? <laughs> what? Would Kirk still choke on Madden? What's his Madden rating? Well, not all Madden ratings are credit equal. So no, but I'm be, saying as a Madden have, player. Oh, maybe. Like yeah. if you could give Kirk I think the they, t- he'd have to look like me. I think they probably build that into his Madden rating, yes. All right, that's a wrap on this episode of Purple Daily. Please click the subscribe button on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Podcast. And uh, give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts as well if you enjoy the show. A five-star rating and a positive review. And tell a friend that we're pumping out daily Vikings content here on Purple Daily. We'll see you guys tomorrow.